You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Grief isn't an individual thing. It's a collaborative, community-wide thing. So, you know, for us, we just put the flag at half-mast and call it, you know, a collective grieving. But for many cultures, you know, the whole town grieves, put ashes on their head and mm-hmm. st- everything stops. And, and so I think it, it gives us time. It gives us time to grieve and it's important to acknowledge that something terrible has happened that God did not want to happen. And so let's grieve that. Let's grieve that together and hold on to hope. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We're taking a break from our regular series to talk this week about what it looks like to lament, process, and pray over tragedies. And I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we have Lead Pastor Jose Abreu with us. Jose, thanks for being here. Taylor. And we're joined by prayer pastor Rhonda Patterson. Rhonda, thanks for being here as well. Always fun to I thought both of y'all did a great job and including Sean in the mix as well. Uh, just showing, again, taking a, taking a break, taking a pause from the series to talk about the tragedy in Uvalde and how as a church body, we can process that. I enjoyed getting kind of a behind the scenes look in the week leading up to that Sunday, just seeing, I thought one of the the takeaways already was just the way that it didn't seem like there was anything manufactured or we had to come up with something, but each segment in the three part uh, message was just out of a natural flow of what God was doing through both of y'all and then even through Sean this this past week and the ways in which y'all have interacted with different family members and members of our church and responded just even individually to the tragedy. So I'd love to start with you, Jose, first, just why is it important for us to take a break in a series to talk about something like this? Yeah, I think even part of the message was, or point is that we don't do a good job stopping Mm -hmm. and pausing when tragedy takes place. We can be too quick to continue. Uh, This morning in my community group, uh, men's community group, we talked about that. Mm -hmm. That is guys, we we don't like to stay still. We like to quickly fix and go to the solution. And so I really felt it was important to pause and do exactly what you just said, Taylor, um, what we've already been doing. So Rhonda, you wrote up an amazing prayer guide on Tuesday. Um, that, that, no, it's Wednesday morning. And we sent it out uh, as soon as, as we finished that. And, and so that was Wednesday. And, and hearing many people say that was such a great resource. You know, Sunday morning is a time when the body of Christ comes together. And so what better time to stop and uh, talking about lamenting and, and processing and then ending with, with prayer. So, um, yeah. Ron, I would love to get your thoughts too, just personally, as you heard the news, and then as you've walked, Mm -hmm. literally walked beside um, just a member of your own team in a special way just this past week, and just what was God teaching you? What was God highlighting to you in the midst of of the Mm -hmm. tragedy? Are you not going to do that to me? I'll get emotional, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was really hard news to hear, Um, and to begin receiving just contact from from the team member and his wife, from uh, the Herreras that day, and um, just felt an immediate need to be with them. And um, and I also, I know we paused, but I feel like this was still part of our series of yeah. Kingdom. This is what 
part of the kingdom of God and heaven invading earth is, is lamenting is part of life here on earth. And so it got interrupted, but we got to just be that hands and feet and be a part of. And so um, it was beautiful. Even just the suggestion of the guide came from someone else to me, someone in the body to me. And so I hadn't thought of it. They had thought of it. Mm -hmm. And I ran it by Jose, who was immediately okay with that. And um, so, yeah, God um, just orchestrated the week really in a sweet way. Um, I think just listening and obeying Him um, and just watching people do that and come alongside um, was beautiful. So... Mm. The first part that you talked about, Jose, was about lamenting, and uh, we touched on it just a bit ago, but just why, how we can easily jump to a lot of different things mm-hmm. as far as steps in the process without lamenting. Uh, you read from Lamentations 3, 16 through 20, mm-hmm. uh, both in one of the devotionals that you wrote right. um, for the email this past week, but then also um, just on Sunday morning. I'd love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on just, again, the value of lamenting, and then even what would change if we paused and lamented more? Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the things that I heard both of y'all talk about was there's a lot of things that we can jump to, but, but what would change just even individually and then collectively as a body if we lamented more? Time is precious and very valuable to us. And so I think one of the reasons why we jump to fixing is because we we know we got to go. We got things to do. Things need to get done. And so I think about the principle or the concept of Sabbath, taking a rest from working mm-hmm. to remember that it's not up to us. Mm-hmm. that God is ultimately in control. And I think similarly here, when we lament, when we express our grief, sorrow, or regret, we are more aware that God is close to the brokenhearted and we're aware together. So it's not an individual exercise. I think about how often in, in the Bible and in, in many, many cultures, ancient cultures especially, uh, grief isn't an individual uh, thing it, it's 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 a collaborative community wide thing. So mm. you know, for us, we just put the flag at half mast and call it mm. you know a collective grieving. But for many cultures, you know, the whole town grieves, put ashes on their head, and mm. stop everything stops. And and so I think it it gives us time. It gives us time to to grieve and. And be there for those that that may take a little longer. Some of us may be faster processors, and that's okay. Um, but it, but but it's important to to acknowledge that um, something terrible has happened that God did not want to happen, and so let's grieve that. Let's grieve that together and hold on to hope. So doing both of those things is is no easy task, and it requires time. Yeah, I think shock. Is the first thing with some, particularly in a case like this. There's there's shock, um, and so sometimes that can cause us to be um, just 
we don't know what to do. So our minds are racing, our uh, hearts are racing, and we don't know what to do. And so we don't act at all. Uh, we don't want to intrude. I'm learning more and more to go in. Yeah. Um, and so, but we'll uh, oftentimes we'll hold back because we don't want to intrude in that person's life, or we don't for whatever the reasons we don't move forward in lamenting with someone. And um, it's so precious. I've never had anyone ever say that it wasn't valuable to them to have someone sitting alongside them as they process and go through grief, um, even as we're feeling it ourselves and processing it. So um, I think just sealing our minds and welcoming God to to lead us and in, in is he calling us to go in is he calling us to to reach out to an individual or is he just calling us to prayer or whatever it is but Jose, one of the things you mentioned was not just jumping. We we typically jump to fixing as far as when it comes to problems, so we don't stop with the, stop it to lament. We just jump right into fixing. The other one is blame, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that. And Rhonda, I know you mentioned just even in your prayer time, uh, guided prayer time, just against judgment and mm-hmm. how easily that can slip into this where. Uh, it, it just dawns on me as we're talking about this, how the enemy is trying to distract us from lamenting. Like it's right. like something that um, God is wanting us to take part in. And yet there are these things that the enemy is gonna try to whisper or throw our way to kind of get us mm-hmm. off track. What about that blaming component? What is so important about just calling that piece out in particular? And how do y'all just individually go about navigating, whether it's the news or even just other circumstances you may be lamenting in your life and and kind of stay focused on lamenting versus all the other distractions. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one because um, we, we we want justice mm-hmm. to, to, to come and, and God is a God of justice. So he loves, um, you know, vengeance is, is mine, says the Lord. So, so we leave revenge and all those things mm-hmm. to him. Um, because he is just. I also think about um, when I fall into blame, I, I get angry. Um, I start getting frustrated. I, I do judge. And anger is a part of the grief process. Uh, in fact, when Jesus, um, right before he raises Lazarus, it says that he was angry. He was angry at death because death separates us from our loved ones. Uh, and death is what Jesus came to defeat. Um, and so that there, there's a place for that, but I don't want to skip over the sitting and the mm-hmm. being with someone who who is in pain, and they may be experiencing anger. Um, but we can we we can do we can do that together without pointing the finger and and blaming. Um, and ultimately, I mean, we're called towards a ministry of reconciliation. So we're called to not only be reconciled, but we're also called to forgive and and let go and let God be be the vindicator. Absolutely. I think the closer we are to the tragedy, what what regardless right. of whatever it is, you, you know, there all of those processes of grief um, are are a natural part of that. Um, the closer in we are as we are more outside it, particularly in regards to the Uvalde um, tragedy, we're, we're further removed from that, mm-hmm. even though we had a family directly affected. Um, so 
what God calls to my mind is mercy triumphs over judgment. And so I don't want to judge anyone that was there that day. I was not there that day. Um, God will bring righteous yeah. judgment, correction, comfort, you know, all of those things, and we can trust Him with that. The people that we come alongside that are in grief and processing, that's completely different right. Than, right. than where we are. We don't want to judge their process. Mm-hmm. So we want to show mercy to them. We want to show mercy to law enforcement, to, to decision makers and all of that because we're on a kind of an outer ring of it, so to speak, if, mm-hmm. and so just that ripple. And so we're surrounding it with mercy instead of judgment. And I believe that helps people process. That, that's so good, Rhonda, better. because that, that's the place for the church to enter in. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that have said yes to a God who came to save us. So mm-hmm. we should be aware of our brokenness and, and Jesus' saving work in our lives mm-hmm. and the way that he has reconciled and, and forgiven us. And so we, we should be the ones equipped to go and extend mercy mm-hmm. and, and love uh, and care um, in, in times where that may be a little bit more difficult. And so we, we are seeing that. Sandra told us after, after the, the gathering of many stories of Jesus working mm-hmm. um, right there within her family, her friends mm-hmm. uh, in, in Uvalde. And so I can't wait to hear more of those stories because I know we're gonna hear um, of miracles and, and of restoration and of um, you know good news in, in the midst of terrible news. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I personally need to watch out for is because I can go, optimist real fast <laughs> and and mm-hmm. I, I can say yeah God can turn this and and make it into good and and um, you know he works all things together for those that that love him um, so those things are true but there's a time and there's a place yeah for someone that. who's in deep pain doesn't want to hear right. that at right. the moment doesn't even though it's it. truth. doesn't doesn't need yeah. to hear that what they need right. more than words is just our presence mm-hmm. uh, our tears yeah. our compassion and empathy mm-hmm. and uh, again I think it it hits such a chord a it's it's biblical so again mm-hmm. a third of the psalms are laments there's a whole book called lamentations the the story of job book the book of job mm-hmm. you know his friends sit with him for 7 days before they ever open up their mouth mm-hmm. so we have so many examples in the bible but b we're just not good at this <laughs> in, in the culture and in the church mm-hmm. because we can come up with the right answers instead of just sitting with one another during really hard times mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So in addition to lamenting, we then moved into a time of talking about processing and how to process with people. I thought Sean did a great job just talking about how to even talk to uh, kids and grandkids about this, but even just to one another using the same kind of tips. I know for both of y'all, both personally and just in the body, y'all are often the people that people go to to process things with. And so I kind of want to ask a question just personally for y'all. What are maybe some... Uh, Christ-like attributes that you personally have seen God use through you when it comes to processing with people? What are things that not just, you know, we want, whether it's a pastor, community group leader, someone safe for people to go find, but what about being that person ourselves, being someone that's safe for someone to process? Rhonda, you mentioned just how people don't want to hear, you know, as being wise about what you say and when you say it, but what are some things that y'all have seen your experience to help people be a safe person to go to? You know, it's interesting. Talk, Job came to mind. Job, 
lamented or his friends lamented with Job first. Um, and he in chapter one says, uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Uh, mm-hmm. At the same time, blessed be the name of the Lord. So so his heart's in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, he laments or his friends lament with him. And then they start doing something that I don't think is too Christ-like and that's preaching at him. Well, you must've done something wrong because God only uh, curses those that, that have rebelled in some way. And so then poor Job is defending himself. Like I actually haven't done anything wrong. Now that book is there as an example for us so that we can recognize that God isn't behind these terrible things. They're they're a result of our broken world, of the consequence of sin that lives inside of us and in our surroundings. And so a a great Christ-like way is what it, how did Jesus uh, lead? He asked a lot of questions. Um, and, And I think that's what, Sean did a great job modeling to us, even with his own kid, he, where he does have the place to preach and, and to you know, give him truth. He did that, but he started by asking him questions mm-hmm. and uh, going to him. He, he, he drew near to his son versus requiring his son to draw near to whatever truth he was gonna give mm-hmm. to him. And, and I think that's an important thing for us to do is to lead with questions, ask them how, how are they doing, uh, adapt to their comfort, uh, however comfortable they may feel with asking or, or talking or, or or just sitting. Um, but us coming to them versus them having to come mm. to us. Yes, I loved also what Sean uh, exemplified was the asking the questions, but he listened. He wasn't just asking, yeah. he was listening to his son's responses. And so even from the two services, the responses were a little different in each one, just not a lot, but a little bit different. But Sean was listening. And so his response back, he had heard his son and so was able to to speak into that. And so we, we want to be always not thinking, what is the next question I want to ask or what do I want to say to them, but listening um, to what they're saying. Really so. Good. Yeah, that's really good. And then the last part here, we closed Rhonda with a time of kind of guided mm-hmm. prayer where you walked us through the mm-hmm. prayer guide. And uh, I wanna ask y'all a question that I think maybe some people are wrestling with, particularly those, I don't think it's just people outside the church. I think it can be something we all think about sometimes when we wanna jump to fixing or jump to solutions, mm-hmm. um, just the value of prayer and, and and why that's important. I remember mm-hmm. uh, after church on Sunday talking to Sandra, she was talking to a few of us and asking, okay, what do y'all need? What do y'all need? And she was saying, Jose, correct yeah. me, but she's saying yeah. the money's there, yeah. it's gonna yeah. take care of itself, but we just need prayer. Need prayer. Mm-hmm. But there's some people that hear that and they say, well, that's not really like, like, like that's the only thing I can do. Like yeah. surely there's something else or, or how is prayer so important when there's all these other solutions out there? So what would y'all say to someone that doesn't necessarily think that that is actually the best thing that we can do right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something you experience um, personally, just, just, um, when I think of someone, when even my own mind, as this was playing out initially, my mind was racing and I just didn't, I knew I wanted to be with them. And so that was the first thing we, we did was, mm-hmm. was met in the gap um, with the Herreras and, and spent some time there um, and just some that could come, you know, and so being with them, but, um, but the prayer... 
I'm learning a lot more, surprisingly, about prayer guides. And we've done them for several things. And when this was suggested to me about this incident, um, I was thinking about that um, since then and how just so many have—it's really helped them to know how to pray. And so um, I think just— when you're in a crisis or if you experience something that's hard in your family life or anything is is maybe asking God to help you with your own guide what mm. who who were involved mm. you know and how can I pray for that how would you want me to pray for that person lord you know is there a scripture that applies for them is there a and it settles your mind it settles your own heart and mind because he's giving you how to reach out. Mm. And so I don't know if that really answers your question about prayer, but I I know for just me personally in doing that this week, mm. it settled me. Just as I began writing that out, it was like the Lord showed me who all was involved, so yeah. to speak, and how to pray for them. It 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 changed a little through the week as other people began to come into play and or things were coming out, you know, but in general, it just settles your own heart and mind that you feel like you're contributing in some way. You're, you're bringing those people into God's throne room and asking Him to help. And so I don't know if that really answers it, but... What I, what I hear you saying, Rhonda, is you're, you're very intentional about it. You're, you're intentionally identifying what what is going on, mm-hmm. and you're also identifying the, the tension, mm-hmm. and then you're releasing it to God. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, Lord, I, I can't. I know you can. Mm-hmm. Help us. And how many times did we send that word back and forth th- throughout the week via text, help us, God, help right. us, God. Um, that's what uh, I'm just, I just pulled up Lamentations 5, which is the corporate prayer at the end of the, the book. And that's what the people are, are crying out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. So they're acknowledging that God is the all power, almighty God. Um, and then restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. And, um, you know, he, they, he, they give him permission to continue to curse them unless you have utterly rejected us mm-hmm. and you remain exceedingly angry with us. And then the book ends. <laughs> That's it. Now we, we learn we learn that they are restored. They go back to to to, to Jerusalem, to Israel, um, after after about 40 or so years. Um, but it's still it's 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 still hard. Mm-hmm. You know, this this to your point, Rhonda, we're very much in the series, Heaven mm-hmm. on Earth, and pain is temporary. That's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And so prayer, I think, is the most important way that we can be aware of our inheritance in heaven, the temporary reality of, of earth, and it connects yes. It connects both. Yes. I, I think the end of that passage to me shows um, their humility, they're just right. acknowledgement that yeah. you are God yeah. and we are not. Yeah. And so um, humility is is just, I mean, it's everything in relating with people. It give, Humility keeps gives us favor with God and man in what, whatever, 
however we're trying to minister or come alongside or just sit with or whatever that looks like, um, humility Mm -hmm. is the key, the golden key. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us, conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time. Bye.